Hi, beautiful people. Welcome to episode eight of series two of the Mindful Academy podcast. How do you know if you're resilient? If you're listening to this episode near its release date, I want to make sure that you know that my year-long membership mastermind for academics is enrolling soon, Flourishing at Work. Um, It's a year-long program, small group, that takes you through like the highlights of personal professional development for academics. One of the participants in the beta round of the mastermind referred to the work that I do in this as chiropractic for your job, because one of the things we work on is getting in alignment, alignment between what you do every day and what your big picture goals and priorities are. For more info on flourishing at work, go to jenniferaskey.com and click on how to work with me. And you can get yourself on the mailing list for the enrollment. Okay, here goes. We're going to talk about the, the, the old saying, what doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. Attributed to Friedrich Nietzsche, right? Was mich nicht umbringt, macht mich nur härter. There you go. I got to whip out some German for you. Um, and I'm sure you've heard it. And the interesting thing is that to a certain extent, it's actually true. There's a phenomenon that's been researched called the resilience paradox. And what research shows is that the most common outcome of a person experiencing trauma is a slow and steady trajectory of normal, healthy living. So, you know, here we are, 2022, And all around us is talk of trauma-informed this and awareness of that. And so we are keenly aware of the fact that there are microaggressions and traumas, small and large, that happen to people all the time. And that the more marginalized you are due to your race, your sex, your gender, your sexual sexual orientation, um, your gender presentation, your socioeconomic status, your immigration status, your religions, your religious status, right? The more likely you are to have experienced some kind of trauma, large or small. And the most common response to trauma and to crisis is eventual resilience. Now, this isn't universal, but it's common. It is more common than PTSD. It is more common than falling apart and never being able to pick the pieces up again. And so this is a paradox because um, resilience is something that we frequently can only see in the rear view mirror. You can't take those hundred people and say, you will heal and come out of this and resume normal, healthy living, and you won't. We only know it in the rearview mirror. So sometimes what doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. And what makes that possible, that strength and resilience, is the same thing that makes a lot of personal growth possible. Experience, awareness, and reflection. I'm going to talk about each one of those a little bit. Um, So experience is like the only way we know if we're resilient is to have had really crappy experiences and recover from them, right? So think about the times that you have picked yourself up, dusted yourself off, and forged ahead after experiencing a heartbreak, 
um, the devastating loss of a loved one, losing a job, changes to your physical body and its capacity, illness, burnout. Right? If you've experienced those and you've kept moving, then you're resilient. If you have picked yourself up, dusted yourself off, and forged ahead stronger and more capable because you've learned and grown and you're aware of the fact that you've been through some hard stuff and come through it, then maybe you even know how resilient you are. What I find in my work, though, is you might not. You might not put that two and two together and say, oh, I got over this. I can handle the next difficult thing that comes my way. So here's sort of the awareness bit of experience, awareness, and reflection. Think back on the times that have required you to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and start all over again. Um, Think about the times in your life when you've been called upon to make a really tough decision. A decision where one party is going to be upset no matter what. Or a decision where you're going to be dissatisfied regardless, and you've survived right? Thinking about those times of heartbreak and disappointment and failure and frustration and fear um, and how you moved through them to the other side builds your awareness of the size and strength of your resilience muscles. Like you look at them for a bit and say, oh yeah, I did that, right? This thing happened and I made it through. So how this shows up in my work is I work with people frequently who are at some sort of crossroads in their academic career. And at some point in our conversations, they begin to express doubt as to whether or not they're going to make the correct decision at this crossroads, whether everything will turn out okay. They're worried that the decisions that they're inclined to make um, might be ones that will make them fail, or will they be the right decisions? And how do I know? Do I have a crystal ball? Do I have a predictor machine, right? Because the fear is that if they botch things up, if they make an error, that they aren't resilient. And that means curtains for them, curtains for their dreams, right? This is catastrophizing. Um, and, and I have an Olympic medal in catastrophizing. Like, I am a champion catastrophizer. I can go from point A, I have made an error in judgment, to Z, I am living alone in a refrigerator box underneath a freeway overpass in, like, five seconds. Like, I can bridge that gap super quickly. It all ends in disaster. That's sort of my natural pattern. So building that awareness of how resilient I am how many risks I've taken and come out the other side, how many big transitions I've gone through, and I'm still here and I'm doing really well. Like just looking at all of those things reminds me, oh, it is pretty unlikely that you are going to be alone in a refrigerator box underneath the freeway overpass. Like that just isn't likely, right? Um, So this is self-trust, right? So resilience requires you to know that you have your own back, right? So how do you know you can trust yourself? What I tell my clients is you have a track record of making great decisions. And sometimes people are like, Jennifer, you don't even know me. How can you say that? I'm like, because you're in an office on a computer talking to me about the next thing to do in your career. You have made 
really good decisions to get you here. And if and when your decisions weren't great, you either made the best of them, or you dusted yourself off and kept moving, or you transformed the not ideal decision into the ideal decision, right? You, you shifted reality to catch up with you, right? You're here listening to a podcast. So things for you, dear listener, have not all turned out like a pile of raw sewage. Chances are you can trust yourself. Just raising your awareness of all of the times when you've had your own back, right? What does it feel like to have your own back? To trust yourself, to move through hurt, to move past hurt and failure and disappointment, right? Even raising your awareness that, oh yeah, I can trust myself because I make good decisions and when things go wrong, I support me in moving through them. That can help make you feel and think and behave in more resilient ways, right? So here's a short story. I have several acquaintances who did not get tenure in their first academic positions, which is devastating, right? It looks and feels and sounds like the end of a career. In most cases, my friend's inability to get tenure stemmed from them being at the wrong sort of institution with the wrong kinds of supports and structures for who they were in their lives at the time. Sometimes it stemmed from administrative decisions like hiring multiple people um, for one tenure line and seeing like creating a a hunger game situation and seeing who was going to survive, right? It it isn't necessarily their failure. Um, But it always feels like that in the moment, right? And also, as a side note, universities should offer a year of paid maternity leave and lead the way as employers worth working for. And side note, um, but in each of the instances I'm thinking about, the people who didn't get tenure on the first pass are now full professors, doing super cool stuff in the world, mentoring people in really valuable ways. And the people I'm thinking of have so much less drama about their worth and worthiness within the academic system. Because they know that they can conquer a system that's stacked against them and their crappy negative emotions about that system and about what happens to them, right? So the the fear of the worst thing happening has come to pass. They looked it in the eye, they suffered for a bit, And then they got back on the track of healthy living, right? Which is most people's response to trauma and crisis. So those people, I hope, know in a really profound, bone-deep way that they are resilient. So for your own reflection, I'm going to give you some questions and invite you to do some reflection on your own ideas around resilience. So for me, as I mentioned, catastrophizing is kind of the opposite of resilience, at least on the thinking level of things, right? So just think for a minute, and you can journal on this, right? You can grab a, like hit pause, grab a journal, sit down in front of a computer, hit the bookmark button on your podcast so you can come back to this, because this is, um, this is where the notion of resilience gets really profound, okay? So... Under what circumstances do you catastrophize? What is the worst case scenario 
that you will not be able to recover from. In this scenario, who's in your corner? In this worst case scenario, who is threatening you and not in your corner? What results from this worst case scenario that you don't think you can overcome? What's the fallout? Who else would be damaged in that fallout? Who would win at your expense? Journaling on those questions, thinking about those, are likely to open a door to some deep and existential fears that you have and that we all have because we are social human creatures Fears about losing love, losing acceptance, and losing our belonging to the tribe, right? So our fear, our catastrophizing, our resentment towards things that demand resilience are, if this is hard, I might not make it through it. And if I don't make it through, then I am unloved, unaccepted, and kicked off the island, right? At at our most profoundly deep level, We're worried about our belonging, right? And sometimes looking that fear in the face and recognizing its unlikelihood is great. Like sometimes your rational mind can go, okay, Jennifer, like refrigerator box underneath the freeway overpass, like just chill out. This is unlikely, right? But sometimes it's also a matter of recognizing your ability to move through crisis and trauma and move past the discomfort because you're just uncomfortable for a while and then it stops hurting as much. Those things are often enough to bring you back to that anchored, resilient place that is you in sort of your full human autonomy and reminding yourself that love, acceptance, and belonging, right? These things that are so important to our healthy, successful living as human beings begin at home, right? Begin with you being committed to loving and accepting yourself in that empathetic, compassionate way, right? Reminding yourself of that and practicing that keeps you in a resilient and sufficient space, I'm going to return to the resilience paradox I mentioned at the outset, right? Where studies show that the most likely outcome of a traumatic experience is for the affected person to slowly but surely get back on the course of healthy living. In other words, most of us heal eventually. And in future episodes, I'm going to talk about the other elements of resilience that help us heal, like living your values and purpose and having a strong network, and taking care of your body and soul. But I also think it's important to connect this discussion to the demands for resilience that are all around us right now. So I believe it's important to connect this discussion that I'm having about your experience of being resilient, your awareness of episodes of resilience, and your reflection on how you maintain that strong anchored self who is resilient, connect that to the demands for resilience all around us right now. So I believe that you, dear listener, are naturally creative, 
resourceful, and whole. You have an amazing capacity for resilience, and you can be a reminder to others of what it means to live a full and balanced life from which point you can be resilient. And I also know that some of you are in circumstances that demand resilience and offer very little hope of moving through the negative emotions and beyond them and picking yourself and dusting yourself off because the promise for the future is simply more of the same. And resilience should not be a permanent state of being for any of us, right? It is a, it is a well that we tap into when we need it, but the goal is to heal and resume normal, healthy living, not to just stay in, you know, constantly triggered resilience mode day in, day out. And when our daily lives do demand profound depths of internal fortitude nonstop, then we're laying the groundwork for PTSD and other long-term stress-induced illnesses. So talking about resilience and building your capacity to trust yourself looking at your history, looking forward and saying, you know, I have the stuff to master my my life, to master my emotions, to live through bad emotions and come out the other end and heal and be happy and successful, right? That's really important, but we don't want to forget that all of this requires that we are healthy and that we heal. So if today, right now, you are not in a place of frustration or rage or disappointment or stress that is demanding that you be resilient, then now is the perfect time to begin the work of raising your own awareness of and the trust in your values, your track record of excellent decisions, and your ability to learn from mistakes and move on. Your ability to withstand heartbreak and disappointment and move on to find love for yourselves and others, right? So, Today, if you're in a good spot, claim your resilience now, right? Look it in the eye and say, wow, I have done well. So that when you need to tap that well, it's ready to spring into action for you. And if you are in that place where you are slogging through the swamp and resilience is demanded of you, how can you find some time to just climb to 10,000 feet, look down a little bit and say, Okay, this too shall pass. I know it will because it has in the past. I have made good decisions. I will make good decisions here. I will continue to move forward because this is not a permanent state. And if you climb to 10,000 feet and look down and you see, oh boy, maybe this is a permanent state. Well, then, then there are other steps to take, right? Seek outside counsel, check your assumptions, Maybe start making plans for being in a position where resilience at that level isn't demanded of you every single day, all the time. So with that, my dear friends and gorgeous people, I hope that you have a fabulous day. And thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Mindful Academy. I will catch you on the next episode.